Welcome back to episode 2 of 2021, where I had the opportunity to sit down with Brother Mark Crowder. We discussed a multitude of topics, ranging from songwriting to learning how to be a better worship leader. I was super grateful when he accepted my offer to do an interview because I saw the passion that he had for his live recording, and I wanted the opportunity to speak about that, among other things. He's a very knowledgeable man on music and singing, of course, and I'm grateful that you guys took the time to listen to this episode. Wherever you are, sit back, relax, and try to learn something new. Alrighty, welcome back to the Walk Run Podcast, episode two, I believe, of 2021. I'm super excited. I've been super busy since I haven't been, uh, I haven't been able to be behind the mic, and it's a super amazing opportunity to be here. Brother Crowder, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thanks for asking. Excited to be here. Humbled that you asked me. Um, really uh, feel honored that I would have the opportunity to uh, share things I've learned and, and uh, that people would be interested. So um, thank you. No problem. Well, we're going to get right into it. Um, just kind of as we always do, uh, we have a structure that we kind of follow. Um, so I just want to ask, who are you? What do you do? And uh, kind of break that down for us so we know how you got to where you are. Um, well, uh, I guess it's been a process over time, just uh, really trying to figure that out um, and understand the best way. But I guess the short answer is um, I'm a worshiper and uh, I want to please the Lord. Um, I've been singing all my life, was called to preach at 15 and um, have sought to do um, everything I could as the Lord opened doors and as opportunities were offered by my church and pastor and uh, went out and, and did as much as I could, uh, you know, when uh, when the opportunities weren't there as well. You know, if you if the opportunity is to clean toilets, then you clean toilets or, or sweep the floor or teach Bible studies. I, I love teaching Bible studies. I've really gotten into that. I've seen people come to the Lord and be saved over the years uh, doing Bible studies. So wherever I could uh, find the opportunity to offer uh, my time and talents to the Lord, I, I would do that. Um, and over time, I, I think, you know, just being available in the basics of of soul winning and church building has offered opportunities as my talents and skills grew and anointing grew to um, bring those before great men, as the Bible says, and and uh, share those with others. Wow, amazing. Um, I always love hearing humbling stories like that, where people feel the need, and they find the need, and they take passion in it, and they love doing what they're doing, whatever that is. That's something that I've grown to become, um, that I'm thankful for, is I've grown to enjoy doing the little things that make the church run and make everything happen. Praise um, God. So we're going to get right into it. We, we, you know, you kind of describe yourself and gave us who you are. So beforehand, you had, or let's start from the beginning. You had your live recording recently, and I didn't have the opportunity to go, but I saw a lot of great things from it, videos and things. And it was very, very exciting. It looked like it was amazing and blessed a lot of people, and I'm sure it will when everything comes out in in the final product. 
Um, and of course, you received a lot of um, hype before and, you know, looking forward to it. But I kind of want to look at it in retrospect and I want to see um, what what it was like during because before when, when you were talking about it, you didn't have obviously you didn't have that experience of looking at it, uh, what it was like during the reporting. Sure. So could you break down the event? like quickly or or like i said um you can just give us some cool information i don't really know what to ask here uh like we discussed earlier um but whatever it is just uh fill us in because it looked amazing and whenever i saw you talk about it i could see the passion that you had for it and i kind of want a a little bit of an insight if you're willing about what happened during and after absolutely um so i i think anytime you go after something really big, you kind of, um, you know, you put a lot of planning into it or your best foot forward. And, and for me, that involves a lot of planning. Um, uh, it also involved getting a lot of skilled and familiar people in it. And then me just kind of coordinating the rest that I could and, and setting vision and, and everything and, and just kind of going after it. Um, I had people in my corner, like my producer, Kirk and I, Kirk can um, uh, my project admin, uh, Savannah Robles, um, uh, my vocal director. Um, oh, goodness, I cannot believe I'm forgetting her name right now, Fair Easter. Um, you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, you get all these people kind of in your corner, pick their brains, and then kind of go from there. Um, Travis Rigney on lights and uh, uh, Vito Di Giovanni on capture and who to get for front of house sound and who to get for an admin assistant for him and, you know, all these various different things. So I just kind of used all these people to my advantage with planning Shannon chance for our audio and visual and, and um, Chase Condon had some input as well, as far as um, some thoughts that uh, went into just the kind of structure of the video and, and, and how to go about things, but primarily Shannon and, um, so all of these various brain trusts came together to kind of help give me direction. And then obviously the night of is kind of where it all culminates. And a lot of what I did was structured so that I didn't have to worry about the details where a lot of other people were focused mm-hmm. on that. And I could just be focused on what the Lord wanted me to do and being spiritually ready to lead that night. Because for me, a live recording was less about the music and a lot more about what God was going to do through the music. And in order to do that, you really have to be attuned to what he's wanting to do and what he's wanting to say. Um, You know, uh, my pastor opened up and then my bishop uh, prayed before we sang and it was powerful and we got right in. And from the very beginning, people were just absolutely, totally and completely engaged. Um, it didn't feel like these songs were new. It was like everybody had known these songs. I mean, everybody, well, they had never heard the chorus before and people were jumping and and shouting and, and connecting. Uh, Vito told me afterwards that the crowd noise um, in that recording was unlike any other recording that he had ever been a part of. And um, just just the engagement was, was incredible. Um, and then... Um, we we got into the songs and and some of the songs that that we that we sang they were just such incredible um such incredible incredible uh, uh 
faith that was that was built in this service, and we saw miracles, people healed, and um, lives completely changed. Some of the miracles that we were told about were just just mind boggling. Just cysts and 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 growths that had been there for for months and years completely disappeared, and people that uh, were dealing with cancer were uh, determined to be cancer free. Uh, people that had lived with lifelong allergies that almost killed them and put them in the hospital a matter of weeks before the event were completely and totally healed. I mean, just um, incredible, incredible things. Um, just, you know, people said it was perfect. It wasn't perfect, but mm-hmm. um, it certainly felt that way in the moment. And it was really, again, just mind blowing how God orchestrated everything start to finish it just goes beyond words really that's amazing um i think i just wanted to interject a little bit i just wanted to say that a big part of people responding like that i believe is just the expectation that god is going to move and they are all leaning in that unified passion that i I, like the how i view it is just everyone's leaning into the spirit and then once it happens everything bursts open and that's when everything happens like you want it to happen and i'm so excited and happy that it got to work out to to that point and everything worked the way you wanted it to work like i said i've mentioned this to you before before we even thought about an interview um i just said something to you over um social media and I was I just every time I saw you talk about it you were just so passionate I could see it and I'm glad that like it worked out so amazingly like it, I've I feel joy for you that it worked out and that your dream came true um more of a more back on the recording how did you pick the band, the singer's location, the team, how does that, where, where does that come into play? How do you, um, how do you pick and how do you, these, these, uh, your staff and such, how do you know who's right and how do you know what needs to happen for, for when you're selecting these people? Yeah, good question. Um, for me, it, it started, um, I did some picking beforehand, but um, some of those things we had to change once I really got my producer on board. For me, in music, the person who produces you is really, really important. Um, mm-hmm. Some people are super, super talented, and they are their own producer, and they kind of are able to to kind of wear both hats as a lead artist as well as the producer. Um, I do not consider myself to be one of those people. Um, I, uh, I I like to think that you know, um, one of the things that God's, you know, asked me to do is to uh, speak faith and uh, and to be a worship leader, you know, other things. But for the, for the focus of this project, those are the two primary things I needed to do. And so in constructing a musical or an album concept, um, having somebody that's been there, done that multiple times before was important to me. And having somebody that you know, I could maintain a relationship with for a long period of time was also important to me. And so um, I, I was looking for the right person. And I really had about four or five people that told me to, you know, talk to Kurt and see, you know, if he would be the guy. And uh, I was like, and none of them were aware of each other. So I thought that was, you know, interesting. 
Mm-hmm. And so I called him up and I said, Hey, I'd love to come spend a couple of days with you and just see if, you know, if there's a relationship potential there, if, if, if I like you <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. and so he consented and I flew down to Arkansas and we spent a few days and um, immediately I, I, well, I wouldn't say immediately, but very quickly within our conversation, we sat down for breakfast at Cracker Barrel the night, the, the morning after I had flown in. And, uh, and, uh, I could, um, I, I knew then that he was going to be the guy and, uh, it, it's been a great partnership, um, so far, um, uh, from there, um, you kind of need to let the producer, in my opinion, um, have as many decisions that are applicable to their hat as, as, as is reasonable. Um, and so, you know, he made a lot of musician decisions um, for for my album. Um, I made the majority of vocal decisions, but I tried not to make them um, in a vacuum. I incorporated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I said, I said Fair Easter earlier. I meant Bethany Easter. Um, Bethany Easter uh, uh, was um, was kind of my partner in crime through all of that and really helped me kind of outline um, who was who and what was what as far as things were concerned. And she took a lot of the vocal teaching off of my plate. Um, as far as who could capture and all that sort of thing, um, for me, Vito made the most sense just simply because he was in Indiana and I'm in Ohio and I was doing it at my home church, Calvary Apostolic Church in, in Columbus. And, um, he does, he's worked with IBC multiple times. He's done other recordings multiple times and he could do industry level, um, recording at a fraction of industry cost. And Mm -hmm. so, um, and then from there, asking him the team that he wanted around him. I could have gotten, you know, some other guys for a little bit cheaper, but he wanted, he asked, I asked him, he he wasn't going to force anybody on me, but I asked him uh, who he would prefer. And he gave me his list and I gave him what he wanted. And I feel like, um, you know, being able to have the team, the best possible team that I could uh, went a long way in ensuring that we had an incredible uh, product at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I think that's really important is to feel everything out and do what works the best. I, uh, had the opportunity, uh, to sit in on a workshop with James okay. Wilson and he was talking about producers and producing a song and stuff. And he was like, Pretty much, you talked about everything cost aside. He said, "If you don't mesh with your team, then it's not going to be the perfect result like you that you want. And if you want the perfect result, then you want to have the perfect team. And I think that's what you were talking about is just meshing and just everything you know fitting together. I think that's incredibly important. It it's, it reminds me of uh, yeah. the Bible with with Paul and Peter. They they were powerful by themselves, but they didn't mesh together perfectly. And very rarely, because of that, did they work together. But I think it's important to, if you're doing a project like this, to make sure you mesh with your team and make sure that your team, you know, accomplishes what you need it to accomplish. 
Yeah, you know, um, chemistry is important. And uh, I'm a strong believer in chemistry. I say that on uh, almost everything that I do. Um, You got to have a team that um, enjoys working together, um, enjoys connecting. But that's not necessary for every part of the team. Um, I think you have to have a team that can be amiable in in a certain ex- to a certain extent. You know, um, you know, singers are a little bit different. I think you need a lot of chemistry there. Musicians, you know, that group mm-hmm. needs to be have a lot of chemistry there. But the singers and musicians don't necessarily have to have chemistry together. The singers don't necessarily have to have chemistry with the person that's capturing the recording, you know? So yes, with, within certain perspective, I think those things are true. Um, But I, that was, that was my, you know, my discussion with Kurt when uh, building the band, I'm just like, number one to me is chemistry. If you, if you mesh with them, then that's who I want. If, if you feel like they're the right person for you, since you're going to be the person kind of heading this up, you're going to be lead keys the night of, then, you know, you need to feel very comfortable with the people around you. So that was my message. Uh, Same thing with Bethany, just making sure that she felt like the voices involved meshed well together, worked well together. And so I made a lot of decisions um, like that. So, um, you know, for for me, I, I was less concerned about my chemistry with everybody I was very concerned about my chemistry with Kurt, but I had already crossed that bridge and I knew that that was okay. Everybody else, they just have to fit within their scope of what their job is and and just and be and be ready to do their part to pull the weight in pulling off a project like this. Not that all of them are my friends, but as far as just, you know, if if it was a different kind of scenario. Um, those are the types of things that are important. Understanding kind of what the priority and and, and procedure is for putting together a project like this. Because, you know, there are some kids that they don't have that kind of network, but they do know people that would be great to bring in. And it's just something to think about that, you know, there are certain, there's levels to this. You don't have to have, be friends with everybody because not everybody, your friend may be, you know, the right person for the job. I would recommend finding the right person of the job and, and for the job and, and then work within that to find the chemistry that's appropriate for your goals. Mm-hmm. Well, before we move on, uh, I don't really have anything to add with that, but did you just yeah. have anything you wanted to add about the recording? Uh, actually, before before that, I just wanted to go ahead and shout out, uh, make sure you guys, when his stuff comes out, that you guys check it out. I, I heard like everyone else, the bits and pieces of it. And it sounded absolutely phenomenal. Uh, whenever that does come out, I suggest that everyone listens and gets a copy or however that will happen. And then check out his Instagram, uh, Mark Crowder worship, I believe. Yeah. Mark Crowder. Yes, worship. Sir. Mark Crowder worship. Um, yeah. Make sure you check that out. So you stay updated. Uh, you, I've also, I think you said stuff will come out on YouTube, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. We'll be posting that. Um, normally a few days after the song comes out. So really excited with that. Amazing. Well, make sure I, I, I suggest everyone listening that you guys check that out. It's like I said, phenomenal. Um, do you have anything to talk about the live recording before we move on? 
Um, we we packed out the church. Um, we probably had um, six to seven hundred people in there. I wasn't sure um, how it would go, uh, just simply because you know we're in the middle of a pandemic. And it felt like the news had gotten worse, especially since it was in the middle of January and everybody wants to say that's the height of flu season. Um, you know, we had just gone through um, a very uh, bitter election. and um, You know, it's the beginning of the year, two weeks literally from Christmas. So there were just a number of things involved that I wasn't sure how it was going to go. Uh, but just the explosion of ticket sales in the last week or two was was mind blowing. And uh, so I just I just want to say thank you to everybody that supported and for all of you listeners that that choose to um, support. I'm just so thankful for you. I appreciate your prayers. Um, if you never listen to a song, if you'll take my name before the throne or take our group before the throne, take our music before the throne uh, and ask the Lord to, to allow his message to reach the world through this music and, and see people blessed. I'd have greatly appreciated. Amen. You can't pray too much. <laughs> um, yes. So you, you obviously you had this live recording and, and you had a lot of your, you know, you wrote a lot of songs and I just wanted to ask, uh, yeah. do you, do you have any advice for young songwriters uh, that can be practical? That can be, you know, spiritual, however it is. Do you have any advice for someone that wants to break into this field that has a passion for songwriting? Yeah, um, I think there's many different ways to do it. Um, I think the best way is um, get, in a, get in a spirit of prayer and then begin to write. Um, and by that, I, by that, I mean, when you begin to pray and really pray until you get to a place um, where you've really connected with the Lord. So in that kind of an instance, you're not praying to write, but you're just praying to pray. And then when you hit that mindset where you really felt like you've entered the secret place, you know, see what thoughts come to you, see what motivations come to you, see what phrases that you've said in prayer seem to resonate in that moment, and then try to, you know, write around that um, right then. Um, but that's not the only way. I mean, I've I've written songs off of messages that I have heard, little lines and tidbits here and there, um, thoughts that came to me that were just, you know, kind of random. And I tried to write, write around those. Um, and then I would, um, and then like, once you're writing it, make sure that it's um, biblically accurate. Uh, that's, that's always important. But um, as far as, you know, just approach to songwriting, um, I think one thing that tends to happen often with young songwriters, let me just say this songwriter songwriting is like a muscle. The more often that you try and engage it, the better at it you'll become. Don't ever let yourself fall into this trap of thinking I've written, written my best song and freak out. You don't know when you're going to write another good song. Just constantly push, continue to write. You'll go through good times. You'll go through bad times. You'll write some great songs. You'll write a lot of bad songs. That's the way it is for literally everybody. Name the best person in the industry and you name, you know, your next door neighbor. They all go through the exact same situation uh, from that perspective. 
But um, when you're when you are writing, one thing that I think young writers tend to fall into a trap that young writers tend to fall into is kind of feeling like they have to run the gamut of who God is or or try to address every problem in a single song. Um, and you don't need to do that. And I don't think you should. I think you should really try and focus the point of every song uh, behind a particular theme. And I think that will really help. There are some worship songs that are a little bit more general um, and, you know, they feel like they're a little bit more all, all over the place. But the facts of the matter are it's rare that songs that just kind of talk about everything about God are successful. There, there are a mm-hmm. few out there, but the vast majority of songs come with a bit of focus. And so sometimes you need to um, a, adjust um, adjust the language, adjust a verse, adjust a chorus, adjust verbiage to be more specific um, so that people can really hone in on the message that you're trying to send and um, and do it. I think co- co-writes are really important. Um, mm-hmm. uh, co-writing, I think, is something that really helps people. Um, working together is always good to kind of help um, identify and and hone in on a particular theme. Um, and however you do that, I think that's important uh, to at least try to do that now and again. It will help you as a songwriter. People have different methodologies. You know, Brittany Scott is one of the most unique uh, and gifted songwriters I've ever had the opportunity to work with. Um, her her approach is completely different than mine. Um, Savannah McKee I've written with, and I love writing with Savannah McKee. Her approach to songwriting is very similar to mine. So it's just working with these different people and all these sorts of things. It will really help you kind of figure out what your style is and and work on honing on uh, honing in on on how to improve your basic methodologies around writing. Mm-hmm. So if you don't mind, uh, if we could touch back yeah. on co-writing, uh, I don't want to take too too much longer with 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 that part. Um, don't want to take too much of your time with it. But how would you do that? Because I've I've noticed you can run into the issue of it becoming more and more of your song instead of our song. So how do you avoid that or how do you deal with it or fix that issue of it being more of a together project instead of I'm helping you and it's your project? Don't worry about it. Don't let that be a motivation. Just let it be about, you know, what, you know, the, what's best for the song. Um, if you want to, however the song develops, um, I think is how it's going to be. If somebody's helping you write a song, there'll probably be an element of the fact that they're helping you write a particular song. If, if you're, if, if you're helping them, there'll probably be an element of where, you know, you both kind of feel like they should be the uh, dominating factor on what kind of comes in or goes out of a particular song. So it's just just being comfortable with that process and being flexible with that process um, mm-hmm. is important. Um, and just, you know, don't don't be so emotionally attached to something if somebody says, you know what, I don't like that. You can always, you know, take your song and do something else with it if you want to do that. Don't be offended by that. 
But when you get into that opportunity to to co-write with somebody, just kind of take that time and just say, hey, right now we're trying to do this together and and then respect that respect that effort, you know, and and give them the opportunity to say, hey, I don't really like that. Or, you know, you may want to consider phrasing it like that and don't get offended about it. Just, you know, um, try your best to be open to those kind of discussions. Mm -hmm. Well, as far as the actual process goes, and I'm going to coin, can uh, put these two questions together. Um, I had a question from social media. I put up a question and it said, do you start with lyrics or music and why do you do so? And I want to put that together with your process from start to finish of writing a song. Yeah. So for me, um, most of the time lyrics come before, before the song, but for me, I'm a melody writer. And what a melody writer is, is the words and the melody work hand in hand. So that means I'm not going to just try to find words and fit a melody around them. I'm going to develop the melody at the same time that I develop lyrics. Uh, You know, Brittany Scott, uh, she'll start with lyrics and then she writes a melody. Um, Kirk and Kirk can he uses more of the, the music to generate, you know, thoughts around what the songwriting should be just, you know, it, and it's not always that way, but that's his predominant way of, of going about writing. So we all have these kind of different methodologies. And so, um, I, I would just say, you know, a lot of people want to write the next big song or at least want to write songs that will be impactful or, or good. I, I really strongly encourage you to number one, just keep writing and your style, your approach that works will flesh itself out. I know that can be frustrating because, you know, you're wanting to, um, to have kind of like a, you know, a, a more defined approach. But um, and like I said, I can share mine with you um, or and some other people's, but it's going to be different for everybody. And so, you know, if you feel like one fits you more, that's good. Find that kind of general template and try to follow that. Um, But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you just have to get better at whatever your template is. And the only way to do that is to just keep writing songs and some are going to be really bad and some are going to be good. Mm -hmm. Um, But just to go back to my process, I always start with a melody and, and uh, you know, the words at the same time, I may start with a verse and it develops into something. I may start with a chorus and it develops and I build the chorus after Um, I'll give some examples. There's one song that's on the recording where um, I had, uh, there was somebody that I was, you know, trying to work with on some music that was sick. And I just felt an unction come over me. And I began to just literally just utter the whole song, the words, the melody, all in that one sitting. It was like, just God just dropped it in my soul. And I wrote like 85, 90% of this song in a matter of four or five minutes that it just took me to sing it out that very specific instance. Another song um, that is on the recording, um, we had a capital uh, campaign at my church for 
an addition around a youth center that we were doing. And so um, I was trying to find a song that would work. And I didn't really find something that I really liked that was directly correlated. So I decided to write something. And I was looking for um, a verse around a specific around a specific idea. And um, I really started, I found another song that was out in the general public that I kind of wanted to shape it around. I was like, it'd be fun if I had a song that was structured like this, that kind of had this general vibe that mm -hmm. spoke to this specific message. And so I use that song as a template to kind of help guide my writing. And then I kind of made it my own from there. And that song, the chorus just kind of came to me once I really discovered what's I, what I wanted to say. I went through a couple of iterations before, but then a chorus hit me first thing in the morning when I woke up and it just felt like it was the right thing. And then I found a verse that kind of uh, tied in and I wrote the verse um, according to that Bible verse. Um, and then the bridge that would, that came after time, just trying to figure out what would be a good fit. I tried to find some verses that would work for the bridge and I didn't find anything that was a, a, a strong tie. So what I did was um, I used one line from the Bible verse and then I just wrote the rest of it off the cuff. Um, and then from there, and then that song went through a lot of process changes as far as the arrangement, but I finally settled on one. Um, another song, um, I got the, um, I got the verse portion, um, in the middle of service and I sang it into my, I sang it into my phone and, uh, that song flowed pretty well, um, and flowed into a chorus once I got home and started singing the first verse section again. And really those were two easy parts. And then the uh, the um, the bridge section came probably a day or so later, maybe two days later, and uh, that song uh, uh, that that was that was just over the cuff. It just like came to me in an instant. So it's just different. I write a lot more unction uh, with a lot more unction and and moments and all those kinds of things. Whereas, you know, like going back to Brittany, because her style is very different from mine. She's very calculated. She finds a theme. She finds a verse. She builds around it, structures words together, structures thoughts together. And then she'll she'll take, you know, just basic thoughts and concepts and then take that to a melody or take that to a, 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 a melodic line and then build the song out of that. Um, and for me, that doesn't really work well, but obviously it works well for her. She's had two songs to hit over 100,000 just in the last three months. So wow. every person's style is different. And I just encourage you to just stretch that muscle. Mm -hmm. That's important is to keep on working with your talent and making it grow and make it better. Well, yeah. I have I have a couple more topics that I want to cover, um, but we are a little pressed for time because I don't want to take too much time from you. Um, but this question I'm sure you can cover really quickly is I got this one yeah. from social media as well is how do you work with your pastor about, and of course your obligations at church about scheduling when you are so active in your ministry outside of church. And this can be for, be for you, like how you do it and, or other people like how it should be done. In other words, how it should be approached when you're so busy outside of your church walls. 
Yeah, I think it's different for every every person. Um, every relationship is different. For some people I know, their pastor gives them free reign to set their schedule as they feel the need. And um, for me, that's not the case. Anytime somebody calls me, unless they've called me multiple times before and I've gotten approval multiple times before, I immediately need to tell them, hey, call my pastor. And, um, you know, or that sounds amazing. Call my pastor. And I I Mm -hmm. give them the church number. They contact my pastor and um, he gives them permission to contact me um, to to go to someplace or or what have you. And then the second tier is um, my there. There are only certain people that are able to um, lead in my place or or what have you. Um, and so there are two other people from my church that have to be available, that have to be in town for me to be able to leave. So there are, mm-hmm. there are basically three levels. First pastor has to approve. Um, uh, then those two people have to be in town. And, uh, and then kind of a self-identified um, layer is I try not to be gone if there is a major event happening in our church that particular service. So if we're, if it's a special conference or if we're having a special preacher there um, that I know pastor would be very concerned if anything was less than our tier one uh, level of ability, um, as far as the church is concerned, then um, I am going to probably try and stay home um, regardless of the type of event. So, mm-hmm. um, the, when by event, I mean the opportunity that's come to me outside of the church. So that's, that's really where it's at. Um, and, and also that protects me as well. So if anybody says, well, why did you go there? I'm like, every single place I go, my pastor has to give me permission first. So if, if you're going someplace, you know, and, and they are aware your pastor's aware it's kind of like a, a nice level of a, a level of protection for you. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. You should always let your pastor know where you're going, what you're doing, because he is the shepherd of your life. Um, sure. Let me just let me just clarify something there. I never come to my pastor and say, "Hey, I'm going here." I always mm-hmm. say, "Hey, is it okay if I go to this?" Mm-hmm. And there have been times where he's told me no on perfectly legitimate. Um, opportunities. He's told me no, but you know, and I don't ask him why some people may ask their pastor why I don't think there's a problem with that at all. Um, But that's not something that I personally do. I don't ask why if he says no, I just ride with it. Mm -hmm. Well, I wanted to kind of, I wanted, we, we touched the songwriting and the singing aspect. And to me, when I talk about songwriting or I mean singing being a vocalist to me there's a difference between being a worship leader and singing because you can sing and be talented but there's a difference between you know starting you know shaking up the atmosphere and kind of putting the church service on your back if you need to and do what you need to do to bring in the presence of God especially with normal you know how you know, services work with the music before you got to kind of, or before the preaching, you have to stir up the atmosphere. So how do you make that transition to be from being just a talented voice to becoming a worship leader? 
I think you have to be accustomed to getting into the presence of the Lord. Um, what I think a lot of young people do is they'll see strong worship leaders and, you know, they'll say things like clap your hands, lift your hands and what have you. And that becomes a crutch for the fact that you really don't have a good understanding of how to be in the Lord's presence yourself. And so you try to make up for that by directing the crowd in such a way that, um, you know, you kind of, they can kind of conjure up that experience for you. I, I really think that a worship leader understands how to get into his presence. And in doing so, um, that, that spirit uh, that they're able to operate in to get into his presence is contagious in a worship service. Um, and, and then, um, direction that comes out of that is more a function of helping people connect what's already there as opposed to trying to create or as opposed to trying to create something that's not there. Um, and I think when you're getting, when you're in a service and you're being led by somebody that's trying to create as opposed to somebody that's connecting to something that they regularly understand and are acquainted with, I think it's very, very, very obvious, and any and everyone in the room can feel it. Um, and I think uh, very talented singers that want to become worship leaders that haven't quite figured that out, um, it can be very frustrating because mm -hmm. you know that you have the talent and you do, um, but taking it that next level to really be close to the Lord enough to where. Um, you're up there, you can help people connect. Um, you know, there's just no substitute for that. And trying to shortcut it is, it really puts yourself on blast because everybody that's in the room can tell. So it's, it's really important to have your own personal worship time. It's really important um, for, for you to connect. And then one last thing, I know I can kind of ramble here, so I apologize, but one more thing here. Um, submission's really important. The Bible talks about the anointing running from the head down that the priest would pour the oil upon the head and then it ran down the beard and then ran over the chest and down the arms and so on and so forth. And so when you're, when you're positioned um, in submission under your pastor and leadership, the beauty of that is you don't have to work as hard to get acquainted with the anointing, but because simply because you're operating in a deputized anointing and an anointing that your pastor has essentially given you because of the operation that he's asked you to complete in a particular service, God rewards that and he anoints that. So, um, you know, when all else fails, be in submission. Um, hopefully not all else fails, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. living a holy life, being right before the Lord, having a relationship with him. You know, we don't want those things to fail. But when all things fail, um, being submitted to your pastor and being in a repented spirit before you walk up there uh, can go a long way in helping you being a great worship leader. Mm -hmm. That's um, amazing advice that I, if sadly I'm not, a singer, but if I were a singer, I would take that to heart. That is amazing. I I will apply that to what I do regardless. It was 
just yeah. just being equally yoked and and being in submission and unity is always important regardless of what you're doing Amen. um well i think for the most part that's all i really had i we have around five more minutes um i just wanted to before i or here here we go i do have one more thing that was that was yeah. terrible of me um I find this that this often happens to me is I for those that don't know I play guitar and I find that I'll sit down to play guitar and I'll be like I need to pray and then if I pray at a different time a different day I'll make time to pray and I'm like I need to practice guitar I haven't practiced in a while so how do you when you were younger and you're practicing your talent how did you find that balance because so that way you got the maximize your potential in both areas um i think um i think you have to make time to pray first and then what will happen is is what i do is i'll open up a notes thing in my phone and just write down all the stuff that comes to me like hey i need to do this i need to do that i need to do that and that way it can kind of be there for me to reference later so that it's not blocking my ability to pray Mm-hmm. Um, just simply because where the, my brain works, the most immediate need becomes the most important. So, um, to, in order to forego that and be able to focus on prayer, I'll do that. Um, I read the other day, uh, that, um, Elon Musk put out something where, you know, you're working about eight to 10 hours a day and you're sleeping, you know, eight hours a day. Um, in a week's time, it was something crazy, like 65 hours are left. So, I mean, that's with, that's with exercising one hour a day. Uh, so seven hours a week, then you're sleeping eight hours a day through the week. And then you're also working, uh, or he didn't include work, but most of us work or go to school. So, but within that is 65 hours of time, um, that, we can choose what we need to do. So between your work takes out a portion of that 65, but, um, but that's a lot of time that we really kind of waste, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of times when we think we don't have time to do stuff, we do, we just aren't really taking full, um, really, really taking stock of how much time we waste. I, you know, I have to remind myself how much time I waste on social media. It's so easy to keep flipping through Instagram um, and just keep scrolling for no reason whatsoever. You're not even looking for anything in particular, but you're just, you know, or going to Facebook and, you know, some political post comes up and you just start reading through all the responses. Like, why do I have to do that? You know, you see a cool picture or one of your friends posts something that looks interesting and you just start reading all the responses. Why? Like, you know, so just managing your time, being aware of where you spend your time. You should have plenty of time to pray and, and practice every day. It's just a matter of being dil- diligent and disciplined. Well, I think that's a great way to end it with being, like you said, diligent and disciplined and doing what you're doing. I will definitely take that to heart. That's something whenever I come, I almost always have a question that is a personal question. That one was for me just trying to find time. I 
need to make my make time and do as I need to do. Like you said, we all waste time. Um, and I was wondering if we have a minute left before 630. I was wondering if you could just lead us in prayer that we use what you've given us. Um, I know it's a little seems a little serious, but I feel like worship and songwriting and stuff can be a daunting task for some. I pray that some of us just take it to heart and use it. And I feel like I hope that people use this information that you've given us um, and use it to its max potential. So do you, do you mind if we could end in prayer and that we, that this seed falls on good ground? Lord God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to speak on some of the things, God, that you have taught me over time. I'm humbled by this opportunity, God, and I ask you, Lord, that you would touch some young person, God, and inspire them to chase after the dreams that you've given them. I ask you, Lord, that you would help them, Lord, not to be held back by by anything, Lord Jesus, that you would help them, God, be inspired to, to leap forth in faith um, in conjunction with support from their pastor and their parents, if possible. But go after your dream for their life, God, and not wait, not deter, God, because you have ordained that gifting, God, for, for the time that it has been upon. I ask you, Lord, that you would help us, Lord God, utilize the leadership in our lives to help direct us at those appropriate times so that we can give you all of the glory and all the praise through our actions, God. I ask you, Lord, that everything that we've discussed today would be received in a, in a, in a way, God, that would be appropriate for each unique situation. Uh, some things will apply to some folks and other things will not. I ask you, Lord, that you would give them discernment through your spirit to understand what things apply to their lives and what things that don't. And for those that aren't sure that they'll have the confidence to go to their pastor, their leadership, and have those discussions so that they can get those areas of gray area uh, uh, clarified and, and proceeding your will for their lives. I ask you, Lord, that your anointing would rest upon each person that listens to this podcast and I ask you, Lord, that your anointing would go before them so that they can be blessed and highly favored in the efforts that you have given them to complete. In your precious name, we give you all of the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great day. I hope everyone listening has a great day. Um, that was a great word. And I hope the, the, the prayers fall on good ground and we truly take it to heart. Thank you, Brother Mark Crowder. I hope to see you soon, and you have a blessed and wonderful day. All right, my friend. God bless you.